and he mentioned how the guy basically said that you know we're prostitutes doing the will of you know of the pimp and the the pimp is the the head of the media organization and they just do what they're instructed to do and they bring a story and they decide how they're going to run it how they're going to spin it and so yeah it, you know you, you talk about interfering with an election and interfering with election results when you have the power to you know stop a story uh, from breaking for as you put it public consumption or not breaking and denying it public consumption and uh, you know if that had aired would we even be dealing with what we're dealing with today because she would have lost you know by her own husband's proclivities or you know I mean it just they will stop it they will stop at nothing and it's no surprise that they would fail to run information and provide information to the public that would be essential to formulating an opinion or understanding truth or so I was just talking with a fellow that is a good Christian brother in my local area here and I hadn't seen him for a couple three years and we would engage from time to time and he sold the business that he ran and and I wasn't close enough that I you know was you know on the phone to him and stuff like that but uh, I knew that he and some other guys got together around the area and I never did get an invite to join so I never you know asked if I could or not but um, anyhow he wound up uh, getting a, a uh, position as a he was he was called a couple of times for some some fill-in minister work or pastoral work and and uh, they kept calling him back and calling him back and then they asked him to be a, a secondary or whatever they call that well anyhow they wind up asking him if he would pastor the church and so you know he was talking about how he realized that you know he's got to get the more he understands how he's to lead a flock he understands how it's more important for him than ever that he he becomes spiritual uh, more spiritual under, under more spiritually inclined I guess was the way he put it and this is one of those things that I always you know, it, it always gets real fuzzy for me uh, because I don't I guess I, I lack as I've been told by some I must lack the necessary elements to to be to being spiritual but when the Apostle Paul tells me that we know the law is spiritual and we know that God imparts to us his spirit and imparts to us his will and his desire um, then to be spiritually in tune with the Father 
seems to me um, you have to be in line with his will. Uh, I don't know what I'm missing in the spiritual equation. Um, and so I just put a little question to him because it happened to be what I had put together for the subject matter for tonight. And I said, well, um, what are you doing? Separating yourself from the world in order to become spiritual? Well, no, no, it's not, it's not like that. And I said, well, then what are you saying? Well, he, he said, I just mean I have, to, I have to be more spiritually attuned if I'm going to lead a congregation. And I said, well, what does spiritually attuned mean to you? <laughs> and I, he had trouble answering that question. So go ahead. I said, of course he had trouble uh, explaining it because he didn't know what it meant. He heard that at a Billy Graham concert. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't the Deliverance Ministry Association? <laughs> or whoever the guy is in uh, Houston, sweetheart preacher. Oh, yes. Joel, buddy. Joel is fiercely attuned. Seriously, in tune. So anyhow, as far as the things that you know, you and I talked the other day, and and um, uh, looks like we got a subject matter for next week. And um, I I started thinking about some of these things here this past week, and so I started making some notes earlier in the week, and spent a little time Sunday evening going over some things. And uh, I, I got to thinking about impeachment and New Testament Christians or New Testament Christianity and the ecclesiastical court. And I'll bet you that there's not nine and ten, maybe it's one and a hundred, maybe it's one in 1,000, <clears throat> that could answer what is an ecclesiastical court and what would one mean if he was referring to an ecclesiastical court. And the second part of that question would be how many of them understand as a New Testament Christian, they're under a duty and an obligation as followers of Christ and the apostles to be carrying out the duties and responsibilities under the ecclesiastical court, the ecclesiastical church court. And when you think about impeachment of a leader in terms of an ecclesiastical court, that is a, a court of righteousness. Remember how Christ says, you know, why, why go you unto law, uh, you know, to, to the world court, if you will, and rather not go to your brother and seek to remedy it and then 
if you can't remedy it, then just go ahead and suffer the wrong if need be and avoid the the world court system or the Roman court system in, in the days of Christ. And I think that modern-day Christianity has lost the concept and the idea that this is what the, the apostles taught in all of the epistles and recorded for us, certainly in the Gospels. And, you know, they, they seem to know about Matthew 18, 15 to 20, and they seem to, you know, be able to quote other parts of New Testament scripture, but it seems as if that they're incapable of, of demanding it and insisting upon it inside their own civil administrative bodies which is and was the way it was in North America at the time of the late 1500s through, you know, at least through 1776 until we got that constitution that we've talked about periodically. So um, it occurred to me how many of them are looking at their leader, this this President Trump, and saying, you know, how is this to be adjudicated in the ecclesiastical court? And doing so, um, I think that many of the world's Christians today, and certainly in America, uh, having that law on their heart, that's what they're seeing and they're expressing is they know that it's wrong what's going on, that that somebody or a group of somebodies can act in concert one with another in order to unlawfully and surreptitiously uh, watch another person be crucified, essentially, and hanged. And whether it's being hung in a court of public opinion or whether it's being hung by a literal rope or hung on a cross, uh, I think they've lost sight of their duty and their responsibility to insist upon um, this in their, in their world. And this kind of goes to the question I had with this fellow that I ran into again today, is that, you know, do we divorce ourselves from the world? You know, it, was that what Christ was teaching us? He certainly was teaching us to divorce ourselves from the world system, from the world's ways. Certainly the apostles told, told us to leave off this fornication and leave off this unrighteousness and lasciviousness and so forth. But that being said, it seems as if they have no concept that it's actually supposed to be carried out. And that's what they were doing in the New Testament. They were encouraging people to essentially take the law into their own hands 
within the church body. And I didn't develop this out fully, I suppose, tonight, uh, for tonight, but just some things that I began to think about. And I'm going to go to Second Chronicles chapter 19. And this is where Jehoshaphat comes on the scene as king of Judah. And I'm going to start at 5. Uh, Jehoshaphat... Uh, is now setting judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city. He set judges in the land, that's five, six, and said to the judges, take heed what you do. For you judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore now, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord, our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. Moreover, in Jerusalem did Jehoshaphat set of the Levites and of the priests and of the chief of the fathers of Israel for the judgment of the Lord and for the controversies when they returned to Jerusalem. And he charged them, saying, Thus shall you do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a perfect heart. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and judgments, you shall even warn them that they trespass not against the Lord. And so wrath come upon you and upon your brethren. This do, and you shall not trespass. And behold, Amariah, the chief priest, is over you in all matters of the Lord, and Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters, also the Levites, shall be officers before you. Deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. So, when you... When we come across a scripture like this in the Old Testament, you know, it seems that all the New Testament Christians have developed an idea that the Old Testament is archaic and basically uh, of no value, uh, of little, uh, little value anyway, to today's Christian. But I sit there and I look at a story like this and I say, what can we learn here? And this is about a ruler who appointed proper judges, gave the judges instructions, and told them, don't fear man, which is the command of God, and said, you don't judge for man, you judge for the Lord. And he'll be with you in your judgment. Let the fear of the Lord be upon you. So in other words, you, the judge, that's to judge of the righteous judgment, you're to stand in the fear of the Lord. And that fear be upon you that if you act inordinately in any way or impartial in any way, that you're going to have to bear the consequences. And, you know, So, 
there's a part of the story in Second Chronicles chapter 20 that really got me thinking about our situation in America, and I'll see what you think about it. Second Chronicles chapter 20, I'm going to begin at verse 1 and carry through to verse 20, 22 for context. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There comes a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side, Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon Hamar, which is Engedi. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. See, I got to thinking about us in America, and we have an enemy that has come against us. There's no fast called by the rulers and the leaders, and there's no consulting the Heavenly Father. Judah got... Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou, O our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? See, think about that. We have the same question that we can ask. Art not that God which drove out the inhabitants before us? You see? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil comes upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry thee in our affliction, and you will hear and help. And now behold, the children of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom thou would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, that they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, say how they reward us, to come to cast out of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit. And I think about this. We have all these different peoples that have come in amongst us, who we did not drive out, but yet we opened up this land that God gave us and and said, come, live with us, live in accordance with our God and his commands and his statutes. But then something changed, and we got a constitution, and suddenly everybody's coming in amongst us, and then people are saying, well, we have the right to free exercise of religion, and our religion is not your religion. 
So we have some problems here that Joseph didn't have. Behold, I say how they reward us, 11, to come and cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. Our, O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, with their wives and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken, you all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeriel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand you still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established, believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that thou should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Now stop there. So, as I indicated at the beginning here, I thought about titling this message, Impeachment, New Testament Christians in the ecclesiastical court. Because these are not just stories for Old Testament purposes and Old Testament practicality. They're actually there for us. And as I indicated, I don't know that many Christians today understand that much of the New Testament, certainly much of the apostles' epistles, are exactly that, teaching us and telling us about carrying out judgments amongst the brethren, amongst the ecclesiastical court, if you will, of the called out ones, those that have accepted the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the God of the creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and have determined to set their minds in a course to be spiritually guided by that spirit of God which he left with us. 
And so, consequently, I don't think there's probably one in a a thousand. Maybe it would be even one in 10,000 that would know what to do. I do, as I said in the beginning, I do believe the law on their heart makes them respond the way they are responding. They're tired of the, you know, proverbial uh, class that is always able to do wickedly. They witness it and realize something is wrong, but they don't and because they have not been taught the laws of God and the functionality and even in their New Testament abode, if you will, they still have not recognized the many, many aspects of the ecclesiastical court carrying out judgments amongst themselves to make them walk in the ways of the Lord. And I was in... um, Second Corinthians chapter 13 earlier in the week and I had come across this again and this time I underlined it in my Bible. Um, for context in Second Chronicles 12 you know Paul is basically conveying, you know, how he's tried to act toward those that he had been witnessing to, if you will. And his general, you know, love for the for those that, that he'd been witnessing to and his desire to see them stay the course. And having changed themselves and put on the new man and and made a commitment to walk in newness of life and righteousness in Christ. So in 13, he's still upset with so many things that are going on that he says, this is the third time I am coming to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Now, I'm just going to throw it out there. How many of these New Testament Christians know that Paul was teaching a principle from the laws, statutes, and judgments and the commands of God. I don't know. What do you think, Rich, Russell? Well, I'm right there with you, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of these things that, you know, there's no escaping it. There's no escaping that here it is in black and white for everybody to see. He's saying, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So so when I look at this impeachment and, and things of that nature, and this is a leader that is been put in a position to lead us, it doesn't matter whether there's a D or an R or an I or a Z or an X or a Y following the name. 
this is the ecclesiastical duty that we have is to see to it that it's being carried out. And so I think, as I say, there are a good number of people having this law on their heart just don't know how to carry it out. So the only way they carry it out is through the same thing that we've seen over and over, and that is kind of the mob mentality, as opposed to carrying it out and seeing to it that we stop electing or stop appointing these types of nefarious individuals and route this out. And it brings me back to this guy that I was talking to and how he's talking about he realizes if he's going to pastor a flock that, you know, he's got to get more spiritual. And when I asked him what he meant by that, and he could not answer me, I'm just sitting here going, what makes us spiritual? And so I think that's a study we're going to have to take up in the near future here. Because if I'm wrong, and I don't understand what being spiritual is, you know, but as I said earlier, if, if Paul tells me that the law is spiritual, and the word tells me that uh, God has imparted his spirit to us through the working of the Holy Spirit, those who love him and seek him and intend to abide by his will, um, that seems to me that we would be spiritually in tune with our Creator, with our Redeemer, if we are abiding in the will of the Father, along with the command that the Son was given of the Father. So how can we watch an impeachment go on and not look at it from the, from the perspective of an ecclesiastical court, which is both Old and New Testament teaching. So, as I began to think about Jehoshaphat's situation here, I, I thought, you know, they're in a Red Sea predicament, as Pastor Peters used to often say. And we're in this Red Sea predicament. But he had the at least the fortitude to know that he needed to set judges over, over the land that would be righteous rulers. And we haven't been doing that because the church world is basically taught that, you know, this world isn't our home. And that's like I was talking to this guy today. I wanted to know what he meant. Because I asked him, I said, well, what does that mean, that we're checking out of the world and, and we're so spiritually minded, we're no worldly good? No, 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 that's not what I mean. I said, well, what do you mean? And he hemmed and hawed and could not tell me. And now he is a leader in Israel, pastoring a flock in a small church, and believes it's the call of the Lord upon him, and tells me that he realized that if he's going to pastor a flock, he needs to he needs to be more spiritual. So 
Let's talk about witnesses. Numbers, chapter 35. Because our God tells us about witnesses. And this isn't the only place. It just happened to be the one that I guess I jotted down. If somebody's got another one, they can grab it real quick. But I'm sure that I might even see a cross-reference here. In, in Numbers 35, um, you're basically at the beginning, cities are being set aside for the Levites. Cities of refuge being set aside there in, in 6 and on. And uh, I'm going to go to verse 30, uh, so we'll be skipping ahead a little bit here. Um, so these things shall be for a statute of judgment unto you throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Whoso kills any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses, but one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to, do, cause him to die. All right, so one might say, well, this happens to deal with uh, murder, and this is the, the law of witnesses regarding murder. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 17 Let's go to 15 to 21, um, because this talks about a leader. Thou shalt in any wise set a king over you, whom the Lord God shall choose, one from among your brethren, thou shalt set over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not your brother. He shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, you shall henceforth no more return that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver or gold. It shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of the law in a book out of that which is before the priests of the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand, to the left, to the end, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children, in the midst of Israel. Deuteronomy 19. Uh, let's see, was I in 17? What I wanted to do in 17, I think I mixed my verses up. Deuteronomy 17, 2 through 6. Um, if there be any found among you within any of your gates, which the Lord God has given you, man or woman, that has wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun, the moon, or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded. And it be told thee that thou hast heard it, and inquire of diligently, and behold it be true, and the, 
and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought in Israel, then shalt thou bring forth that man or that woman which has committed that wicked thing under your gates, even that man or that woman, and they shall stone them with stones till they die. Six, at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness shall he not be put to death. The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people, so that shall shall put evil away from among you. So, right here, once again, if we have a president who's being accused of basically, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, crimes against the, the state. This would be crimes against Israel. Uh, allowing Israel to be potentially led away captive. And that's why in that couple of fellowship weeks ago, I, I mentioned about, are these not parties to the crime? And if they're parties to the crime, then we should be treating this as we're instructed to treat it in the ecclesiastical court. And well, God will be... you want to explain that crime one more time? What was that? You want to explain his so-called crime one more time? I'm no, that's what I say. It, it, his, his so-called crime is sedition or or something against the state. So don't don't take me wrong what I'm saying. I haven't heard that one. I've heard other well, ones, but I haven't heard sedition against well, the state. Okay, but if whatever whatever the crime is that he's being accused of. So my point is... Close to, is there anything in Deuteronomy or Leviticus that comes close to what they're trying to accuse him of? Uh, well, as I said, he, they are accusing him of fraternizing with another country, essentially, and putting the United States at risk. I mean, I, I guess I don't know the, the language. The thing, they dropped all that crap with the Russia investigation and Mueller. Now what are they trying to get him for? Well, that's precisely my point. But my point was I'm trying to lead us to understanding what we are supposed to do with their witnesses. And I don't think that many Christians, even though they call themselves New Testament Christians, I don't think they get it and understand that these witnesses that are testifying against him of these so-called supposed crimes that, you know, uh, is causing, you know, elections to be, you know, uh, fraudulently attained. That would be like, you know, somebody being appointed to a kingship over a country by fraud and so forth. Well, that's, that's pretty serious to me. That's, that's saying that, you know, he's, he's committing crimes that are contrary to, uh, to the interest of, of the people. And I'm using the state loosely because of lack of a better term, country or whatever. And so, well, how come it is? million votes, right? Yeah, how come it is according, that, that according to McCainy, who did a um, 
analysis on the election, he said that that um, Clinton stole 19 million votes. So he was duly elected in, um, as president. He even taken into in effect all the stolen votes by the other side. Well, well, they precisely. They, have any, they, they don't have. They don't even want to show their witnesses. They have witnesses in the dark. Well, that's that. But see, that that's my point. See, I don't think that the Christian understands that you know Paul was espousing Old Testament laws, statutes, and judgments. At the mouth of two and three witnesses shall these matters be established. And he wanted them to carry out the ecclesiastical court or the 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 judgments in the ecclesiastical court. In other words, the, he was espousing the very thing that is recorded for us in the Old Testament. And so I look at these witnesses that are being brought against Trump, and I'm saying, why does the New Testament Christian not understand and see that these witnesses that are being fought, brought forward are false witnesses. And the false witnesses, there's a law about what is to be done with them. And so that's what I'm getting at is, is how many of these Christians professing to be New Testament Christians because they've been taught that all their, you know, their lives that, you know, the, the Old Testament is basically you know, non-existent, just like Esther was telling us weeks ago, it's like we got four or five guys all professing to be Christians, but, you know, four out of the five all believe whatever they want to believe and the other guys trying to follow the rule book. And how can that be? And how can we ever attempt to go forward with such a mishmash of understanding or belief? And so when you take these witnesses that are being called to testify, I mean, Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1, you know, when you're being called to testify, you're supposed to testify. And when you hear the call to be testified, Deuteronomy 17, 9 to 13, is basically contempt of court. When you, when you have witnesses who are testifying falsely, they're they're actually in contempt of God's court. And yeah, they are making punishment for them. Huh? That, that Ford woman when she accused the, the uh chief the uh, Supreme Court nominee, she never got any retribution for her lying. Absolutely. So they, Absolutely. The more they get away with it, the worse it gets. They they figure nothing will ever happen to them, no matter what they do. Right, and and that's that's a problem. And it's just like this guy, you know, telling me that he's now pastoring a small church and and that he's realized how he's got to become more spiritual. And and I'm like, what does that mean? What are you saying to me? You know, were you not spiritual before and now you've got to become more spiritual? What, how, what does that mean? Explain that to me. And 
so it seems to me that spirit being spiritual and becoming more spiritual has to do with becoming more unified behind the word of god and more unified to be in accordance with his will and to carry out the great commission to put into effect the legislative intent of God's commands. So it's just they have no concept. There's just a a great lack of concept that these people who are lying, it's not just something that you should just look at and say, well, they're just lying. No. These lies have to do with great consequences and the consequences are the reason for the judgment because these consequences that are attempted to be carried out here have great effect or potential to have great effect on the children's children, you know, or even the people at the time, certainly us in existence today. So without any understanding of any of these laws and statutes and how they were to be implemented, and if Paul espouses this two or three witness principle, where did they think that he got that from? And when you have witnesses coming forth and there is not two or three witnesses to substantiate and support that individual's claim, what these people had desired to have happen to Donald Trump is that he be removed from office. So therefore, he is to be removed from office. The person who makes the false witness. Did I read that? Did I read that uh, um, scripture? Um, was that in Deuteronomy 19? No, I'll bet it wasn't. Um, I don't think so. You know which one I'm talking about, right, Rich? Yeah. Um, is that is that Exodus? Um, I'm just gonna. I've got Exodus 23 here in my notes, so let me flip over there real quick and see if if that is the one. Yeah. Okay. Exodus 23. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do either evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. Um, well, finish that it. isn't... With the sole purpose of perverting justice. Oh, I didn't finish it. Yeah, I'm reading from the King James. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. That was the end of that was the end of that one. Well, I thought that was very pertinent. That the the reason these people do stuff like that is to pervert justice. Exactly. That's their cause. 
I'm I'm looking for the one. Um, I'm looking for the one that says that um, when somebody raises a false report, whatever was intended to be caused um, to him. Um, I've got several scriptures written down here, but there why I thought heads, it? what's that? It would bring it upon their own heads. Well, yeah, but it actually states it. It says, you know, um, Deuteronomy 17. Uh, I know that we read from Deuteronomy, um, but there's, a, and maybe I never wrote it down. I thought I I did, but um, Deuteronomy 17, uh, five. No, 9 to 13, Deuteronomy 17. I think I read that one, didn't I? 9 to 13. Um, let me just... Uh, uh, according to the sentence... Okay, yeah, I think I think maybe this is... And thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of that place... I'm in Deuteronomy 17, 10. Um... The Lord shall choose, show thee, and thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee. 11. According to the sentence of the law which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment which they shall tell thee, thou shalt do that. Thou shalt not decline from the sentence which they shall show to thee, the right hand nor to the left. The man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that stands to minister, therefore the Lord their God of the judgment, even that man shall die, and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel. Um, this this one is the contempt. Um, and that's the one I thought was just really profound. Uh, now, I didn't do it any justice, so let me start again. And this is not the scripture that I am looking for yet, so somebody try to help me out if you can. I'm looking for the scripture where, where it says that if somebody testifies falsely against him, whatever he was hoping to have happen to the one that he testified falsely against, the same would happen for him. And he literally, God's word literally says, uh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, wound for wound, or something to that effect. So I'll just throw that out. Now let me come back to 17 here. If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment between blood and blood, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within thy gates, thou shalt then arise and get thee up to the place which the Lord God shall choose. And thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites, unto the judge that shall be in those days, and inquire, and they shall show the sentence of the judgment. Thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of that place which the Lord shall choose shall show thee, and thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee. So whatever the judgment was, after it could not be ascertained in the lower um, in, in the lower arena, if you will, between blood and blood and so forth, and the hard matters, you take it up to the appellate level, basically, which is to the priests and to the judges that we're in, and then the whole matter gets explained, and then the judgment will be passed down. And according to the sentence of the law, which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment which they shall tell thee, 
Thou shalt do, thou shalt not decline from the sentence which they shall show thee to the right hand or to the left. And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that stands to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man shall die. And thou shalt put away the evil from all Israel. And the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. So what this was, was really the end all of the um, contempt of court. So if you refuse to do what the, what the judgment was or refuse to abide in it, you, according to the statute and the command of God, that individual must die because he stands in contempt of the order and the command. So that was an interesting one that I, I had not fully seen or recognized before. And um, all right, so then I had, I had Deuteronomy 17, 2 through 7, but I think we did that one, yeah. And uh, gosh, I remember... I think it was on the right side of my page, and I remember it said, wound for wound, or uh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, foot for foot. Let me type in foot for foot in my Bible search and see if I can come up with that. Um, uh, Because I guess I didn't write it down. I'm surprised. I don't see anything jumping out at me um, on my notes. Deuteronomy 1, 16 to 17, but did I do that one already? given me his feet. <laughs> Somebody's got to help me out here. Um, uh, Exodus 21, 24. Exodus okay. 1921 have you looked at that yeah now I did have Deuteronomy 19 in my notes and I did have uh, 15 to 21 that there it is well did I already read that I must uh, not have okay all right well this is the laws 
well, yeah, I, I did. I must not have read far enough, or did I read it and just didn't catch it again? Okay, well, let me do it now. This is laws regarding the witnesses. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin, in any sin that he sins at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition, and behold, if the witness be a false witness and has testified falsely against his brother, then shall you do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. And those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity, but life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. That is exactly the scripture. I guess I had it here in my notes and I... I thought I referred to Deuteronomy 19. I don't recall that we read that. But this is, this is the law regarding witnesses. And, and so my point is, if you're a New Testament Christian and you believe the New Testament, then you have to believe that when Paul said at the hand of two or three witnesses shall the matter be established, that Paul is referring to this scripture right here and others that we've addressed as well, and even the one that you referred to there in Deuteronomy uh, or Exodus 20, 22 or 21 there, Russell as well. These are the laws regarding witnesses that Paul is aware of. Paul was a keenly attuned to the law, was he not? Mm-hmm. And so... It just strikes me, like I said, I know that we understand this, but I got to thinking as we're talking with others and so forth, that righteous indignation that so many of them are feeling and the, and, and, and the way that they're interacting and trying to right this wrong, I believe is the word in their heart. But yet they just don't, know and fully see and understand. Yeah, they know constitutional law, I guess, or what they're supposed to have happen under the Constitution, but as we pointed out, there is nothing. And if, if, if impeachment is so loosely defined and so loosely and broadly uh, put out in the Constitution that you can get rid of a ruler or a leader for, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors, and yet the high crime nor the misdemeanor is defined, and yet Congress is the one who determines the definition of what a high crime or a misdemeanor is, then we have a serious problem and a serious fault in this document called a Constitution. So this wasn't going to be a, a, another constitutional idolatry message, but it was an intention to try to wrap the minds of the New Testament Christian around the fact that here's another example of Paul expressing 
Old Testament law, statutes, and judgments to those in whom he, with whom he had been ministering to and wanting them to carry out in accordance with two or three witnesses <coughs> shall the matter be established and carry it out. And so we have divorced ourselves from the world because the, the, by and large the church world has taught us that this world isn't our home. And so therefore we're powerless to carry out what needs to be carried out. And that's why I liked that record that we read in Second Chronicles 19 and 20 about Jehoshaphat. Because when he recognized that even having the enemies, see, the situation is not much different. We have enemies coming against us. They're, they're just not coming against us with an army or with horses and chariots. The enemy is coming against us in the same way that the enemy was coming against a land that God had given to Judah. The enemy was coming against them in spite of what they had done in sparing their lives previously as they came out of Egypt. And Jehoshaphat said, you know, we need to call a fast and we need to pray and we need to seek God's help in this and we need to implement a plan from the Lord. And that's what he did. So when you think about these laws that would govern these witnesses who look at all of these, you know, I, you're exactly right, Rich, the Kavanaugh. I mean, I, I go back, these false witnesses and, and every one of those people. I mean, you talk about subpoenas that can fly. I heard something from some speech, uh, Rand Paul or something, uh, you know. Oh, what? Uh, hold, hold on just a minute. Just give me this one second. Why hasn't it been done? I hear you. We've seen these people violate law after law after law, and nobody challenges them except Hannity with his breaking news story. Yeah. With a bell going ding, ding, and now here's my new book. Is Hannity the only one that gets this? No. We all get it. We all get the right. phony poll numbers. We just sit here and disgust, don't we? Yep. Phony polls. Who gives a rat's rear end about a poll taken by ABC, NBC, CBS, or Fox? These are the same people that are creating the fake narratives. It's called fake polls. And what in the world makes us think we're going to have legitimate elections? Oh, those couldn't be fake. Those are all on the up and up, run by good, decent local county people. And by the way, is it shock anybody that 
cities and counties have swamps and states have swamps? Need to be exactly. 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 And so you you know, like I said, I know this is not new for us, but I thought maybe it would do well for us to remind ourselves about these particular scriptures and these laws, statutes, and judgments regarding this. So as we are talking with people, um, again, I, I think it is this way, as I say. I believe that the law written on their hearts does make them know that there's something that is wrong. And they want something to change and so forth. And um, I believe that in certain respects, leadership is brought to the same, um, is is oftentimes brought to the same um, repentance, if you will, because of the people you know, standing on the side of the righteousness and demanding, demanding, demanding. And so I think we're at that point. I think we're at a point where people are doing that. And so thinking about Jehoshaphat's prayer and Jehoshaphat's call, I thought, you know, this is, again, getting the house in order and then understanding that I know what shall be carried out and upon the assistance of of the Father in carrying this to its conclusion, we will carry it out in accordance with his will. And well, what I see in tonight's message is this. We are an example of a people that doesn't do the right thing. They don't follow the law. This is the end result. When you don't do what we read about tonight, you get this work, KGO, KGO, nutsy kooks, leading the people down New York City tonight as we speak, hollering F the police. And we tolerate that. We tolerate it. The mayor's there. They're all in support. And they're saying, do this to the police. Kill the police. And nobody does a thing. Uh, where, you know, and, and we got people going to prison for lying to Congress. Give me a break. Congress wouldn't know the truth if it smacked them on the rear end with track spikes. I I wound up, I wound up, I, I agreed, absolutely agreed. I wound up in Third John as part of, you know, putting the notes together that I'd been thinking about, about, you know, how to carry out these things in accordance with ecclesiastical justice. Third John, verse 9 through 11, this is where um, John is basically calling out diatrophies, and... Um, he says, I wrote under the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have preeminence among them, received us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he does, 
prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither does he himself receive the brethren and forbids them that would and cast them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil has not seen God. And that kind of goes with fellowship last week. You see, John is, is, is again showing the person who does evil, um, he's not of God. And the one who seeks righteousness and desires it, he has seen God because he sees it manifested in the will and so forth. And it's just another example of within the church how John was trying to show, here, there are people here that, you know, they just love preeminence. They just want to, they just want to sit in the high place. You know, they, they want all the accolades, and they want this and they want that. I sent a letter, and he doesn't even receive the letter. He doesn't even tell you, you know, that, that, you know, that we're wishing you well or anything is basically what he's he's saying and trying to, you know, to warn them that Diotrephes is is after his own, you know, his own self, his own self-aggrandizement. And, you know, so it was just another example to me of showing how, you know, we are of God when we are with him when we are in accordance with him and how can we call ourselves christians and how can we stand there and say rah 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 you know 60,000 50,000 30,000 whatever in a stadium and rah 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 because I, I don't i don't think god likes that i don't think he sees that i don't think he he is moved by by that i think he is moved by There's us abiding in in the will and There's seeking to do that which is good so yes i understand a lot of those people are are you know are rah 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 because they do want to see good and they don't want to see evil but there's a lot of them there that are there just because they believe they're on the winning side and the question is, you know, I've even heard Rush, you know, talk about this quite a bit, is that they're after us. They're after us. Well, what happens after Donald Trump is gone? And the people have to be grounded in something besides rah, rah, rah and Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to read this because I thought it was so profound where, where the John 11 said, the one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Well, has not, the word seen also means perceived or discovered. So the one who does evil cannot understand God's ways. There, for whatever reason, either they haven't discovered God's, ways or they cannot comprehend God's ways. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. That's a good... Yeah. 
seen. Absolutely is. And I didn't remember if you read the Leviticus, Leviticus uh, 24 and 17, about uh, if a man takes the life of any human being, he shall be put to death, and one who takes the life of an animal shall make it good, life for life. And if a man injures his neighbor just as he has done, so it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, just as he has injured a man, so it shall be inflicted on him. Thus the one who kills an animal shall make it good, but the one who kills a man shall be put to death. Can you imagine how this country would be healed if that one thing would take place? Kill these guys that are killing innocent people. You know, I, I, I feel that that is very spiritual. Now, I know I put the word feel there, but I believe that that is very spiritual. So either I'm a kook, and I don't understand what being spiritual is, but that to me seems like you said. Can you imagine how this country would be healed? I I, I look at that and I say, wow, that would be spiritual. Would that not be a spiritual awakening? Would that not be a spiritual um, uh, connection with our Creator? Righteousness and justice and judgment? Go ahead. Where I live, we've got a lot of people coming in from a foreign land. Okay, here's a problem. They love to get drunk and drive. That's in their DNA. (coughs) So (coughs) they go out and they kill people. They kill people. yeah. Yeah, they run over them, whatever. And they get less than six months. And that's on the third family they kill. Now, can you imagine if that same guy was stuck out on the road on a bicycle, some of the family members got to drive over him, what closure that would bring in their lives? You know, I know I've mentioned this before about stoning. You know, one of the scriptures that I guess I didn't read that yet either um, but it talks about stoning, and it talks about the witnesses, the witnesses being the first to stone. Now, I can understand that you can have some real sons of Belial that would bring a false testimony, and it would be a believable testimony. And without somebody with the righteousness to intervene and and, you know, uh, interview those witnesses to where the story, you know, is determined to be a false report. But can you imagine now those witnesses that brought that false report, they're the first ones to go out and throw those stones. Now, I know know, because I have thought about this long and hard, and I thought, you know, God, the way things are today, I can see some real sons of Belial going out and making their lies and making those lies so convincing and that somebody could be deceived by those lies. And I could see them picking up a stone and having no problem chucking it at Russell or chucking it at Doug because they so hate 
uh, you know, the idea, uh, you know, of you standing in a position of leadership or authority over them or whatever, that they would just be all too eager to cast that first stone. Because I used to think, man, that stoning, that's pretty serious. If you got to do that, that, you know, that would make an impression on a young boy or a young girl, you know, to witness the stoning of an individual who's been guilty and bound over for the judgment. Go ahead. We're told that the alcohol changes their mind and they're not normal. And so, therefore, we should have compassion. But isn't malice and hatred and... Uh, you ever heard the phrase in the heat of the moment? Isn't that yep. mind-altering as well? Uh, such as a alcoholic drink or drug. I mean, when somebody ticks you off, doesn't that mean you're off kilter and you're not thinking yep. straight? And so, yep. uh, so, I mean, seriously, in this county, there's untold amounts of dead people from alcoholic-induced psychopaths, and they go unpunished. Therefore, what happens? It grows, doesn't it, Doug? It does. Anybody out there that doesn't understand, when you neglect justice, injustice flourishes. Yep, it sure does. And to carry out judgments and sentences upon these people who are being false witnesses and so forth. So I would to God that we would be able to encourage those that we talk to about how uh, God does have statutes regarding witnesses. And he does have statutes regarding those witnesses when they bring a report. Now, what was that one in again? Because I didn't write it down, and I now I flip back to Leviticus where you cited. What was that one you gave me, uh, Russell? That was uh, Deuteronomy uh, 9. It was Leviticus 24:17. No, the one before it, the, the other one that had the foot for foot uh, that I was looking. I think I've got it in my notes here, 19:15 to 21, Deuteronomy. Because I, uh, I want to make sure that... I've flipped away from it. Hold on. All right. Um, I think that's what it was. So just for clarification, I just wanted to go back to it. And, yeah, laws regarding witnesses at at, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 15 through 22. Yeah, 21. 15 to 21. I had it in my notes. I had a big star next to it, and I guess I thought I'd already read it once, and so I skipped it because I kind of got skipping around on my notes or something. And, but definitely, um, uh, and, and as I say that, Deuteronomy 17, 9 to 13, uh, boy, I read that one with a new understanding there because that is contempt of, of God's court. And that's a serious one. If you're going to be in contempt of his court and not do according to those who are operating within the will of the Father. Um, that's a serious penalty. And that's that whole Romans 13, you know, 
uh, one to eight again too because these are to be ministers these are to be rulers in accordance with God's will and so I know that the people are feeling it and I believe it's because of what's written on their heart and um, they should have had ministers that were teaching them the law statutes and judgments and the beauty of them and the righteousness of them and uh, boy like you said Russell would it not be a different country and I know it's something we all lament and we all yearn for and would like to see our country come back so maybe prayers along the lines of those of Jehoshaphat when we're in this Red Sea predicament need to be more on our minds and more on our thoughts and more on our lips that um, um, you know that that we recognize this was a land he gave to us this was a land that you know if we if we believe anything and he says that he sets the bounds of the nations according to the sons of Israel um, then obviously we needed a place to expand and to grow and to carry out the commission and to be in accordance with as well and we got sidetracked again we got put off course again and we're feeling it we're seeing it and our children's children are going to have um, a tough time if we don't make the necessary changes and corrections and repent of those things that our God will indeed come and rescue us and provide that rescue that Jehoshaphat and so many others were able to witness let's pray that's prayer right now yeah let's do it all right go God we appeal to you right now the creator of the universe the creator of all mankind we're in a Red Sea predicament right now Lord please help us you've got us right where you want us father and we're calling on you to intervene and pass judgment started with your people Lord this is where we're at right now we the enemy is so great but it's not our battle it's yours so we appeal to you right now father that whoever's listening in or, or us three if that's all it is Lord we call your we call in your holy name to intervene and we call on the name of Jesus Christ and the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob help us Amen. hallelujah oh father hear our prayer know our needs father we know that you see and witness the blood that has been shed in the land brother Russell just telling us of the murder from those that drive impaired and intoxicated because they've not been taught and we yield more and more compassion and compassion by not punishing the the evil and the wicked that is done father we know that 
and the implementation of, of your laws and statutes and judgments is imperative for a society to survive and to carry on. We see it. We know that just fulfilling them and carrying them out would provide life, liberty, and happiness. Not some document that says something, but actually carrying out and doing the carrying forth the legislative intent, the taking the dominion that you've commissioned. And Father, we know that this land is not our land, it's a land that you gave us. And Father, we know that you can take that land from us just as easily as you gave it. And you will use your rods against us, and that would be the heathen, those who do not believe, those who do not trust, those who care not about you. And so, Father, we see it. We're experiencing it. I would just ask that you hear the voices of those that are crying out to you and asking you to please heal the land. And, Lord, forgive us for all that has gone on and the sins that have been carried forth and the blood that's been spilled on your land. Father, we know that judgment starts with us and judge our, our hearts and judge our righteousness and keep us convicted to be ground in you and to carry forth in the will of the Father. Father, I pray for these leaders. I pray that they will have the fortitude to do that which is right and good instead of that which is evil and bad. That they will step forward and, and carry out righteous judgment against these that do the wickedness and the evil. Father, you know the deeds. You know how our churches have failed and our leaders have failed to teach us. And you've said if you would just but teach them, if you would have just taught them, they would have turned. So, Lord, I'm just thankful and praise you for the opportunity that we have to try to teach others and, and have them hear the word. So, Father, hear our prayer. Know our desires are within your will. And therefore, the prayers be answered. And let these subpoenas flow and let these wicked evildoers and these false witnesses pay. And that our people, our leaders, would have the, the integrity to carry them out to the fullest extent that these evils will no longer be done and tolerated in the land because, Father, it's more than one man. It's more than about one man. It's about your righteousness. It's about your commission. It's about what you've given us and told us and instructed us to take the dominion. And, Father, how we have failed. But we call upon you and we ask and we know that you are the one that provides the miracles we know in the days of Gideon 
what Gideon lamented. We know how Josephat lamented and said, hey, are you not the God over the heathen? And we know you are. We trust in you. And we thank you for knowing our needs and hearing our prayer, those of your remnant that seek to abide in your will. Asking these things, Father, in the blessed holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you, knowing that you will carry these prayers to their fullest extent and will bring about judgment in the land. Amen. Amen. Well, men, those were just some thoughts that I had. I didn't probably do the best in laying it out. But hopefully it's something that we can continue to talk to people about. Another aspect of his word, law of witnesses. Deuteronomy 19, 15 to 21. Well, Maybe you did exactly what God had in mind, Doug, so don't sell yourself short. You just you just pass what he sends to you, and we go on, and we chew on it for a week. And I'm thankful that you even prepare something for us. So that's just the way I see it, and good night to all. Yeah. Thanks, Russell. I appreciate that. All right. Good night, man. Good night.